going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a three-peat. I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones or a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. They ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. Thanks so much, Capital, and we are a couple days away. This weekend is a big game. Get your Super Bowl party appetizers and Skoline bets ready. The Eagles are looking for their second Super Bowl championship. The Chiefs looking to be this era's version of a dynasty if they're able to get another in short order. Now, there's so many storylines to the game. Andy Reid spent his first 14 seasons as head coach of the Eagles. Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey will be the first brothers to play against each other in the Super Bowl. Mahomes and Hurts are combined 51 years old, which, I mean, Tom Brady alone isn't that far from their combined age. Uh, They are the youngest QB matchup in Super Bowl history, and they are the first matchup of two black quarterbacks facing each other. In the big game. Now, show we got to go all the way back to 1981 in the Grey Cup when we had two black quarterbacks in the CFL's biggest game. And it was, as you well remember, future U.S. Congressman J.C. Watts and future Pro Football Hall of Famer Warren Moon. Shout out to the GOAT who did a great job giving some sound to Rashman Danny in his story from Arizona about that issue. I also wrote an article for sportsnet.ca about said issue. So go through the show notes. If you're listening to this via podcast and consume both pieces of that content, take this time to promo the fact that we won't just be reacting to the game on Monday. We'll be reacting to the commercials on Monday as well. So if you see some that you like or don't like, let us know. But the biggest thing aside from Rihanna and her performance, is the actual game. What are you looking forward to the most? First of all, Lift Me Up is going to be performed first. That's okay. my that's my pick. No no umbrella? No umbrella. The first banger that she had? I, I think uh, that's like number two. There's, I think like she's going to be like lifted down into the stadium on some like crazy contraption, like a slow song, and then she lands and bam, umbrella. I think that, I, I, I do think that's happened. Also, Shut Up and Drive. I think that's going to be played at some, play, at some point. Well, I thought we were talking about entrance, right? So, you oh, know, yeah. the, you, they always have a bunch of random school kids like dancing on That's the field, true. right? Like yeah. just 300 local, you know, kids from the boys and girls club or something like that. So I, I think the C parts and then like lights come up, shut up and and she's like, you know, in whatever the vehicle sponsor of the Super Bowl is, I have no idea. Let's say it's Ford. I apologize, our sales team. And she's just driving, you know, to the stage and, and you know, the song kind of, you know, continues. But that's not like I would say in her top 15 of her catalog. So it's one of those just things where you hear the chorus. It takes you to a spot, set change, and then we're into another song that people actually want to listen to. 
Yeah, that, that's like it. I would agree with you. Um, it is one of the fluffier songs in the catalog, but uh, in her like extremely massive catalog of songs and bangers. But uh, I, I do hope it's played. Um, no, it, and, and can, it's, we, can we get the, the show's top five Rihanna tracks, please? <laughs> Umbrella is definitely up there. Okay, Diamonds. I think that's got to be played at some point. Mm. Uh, I, I I forget what the song is when she plays uh, the one with Eminem. Um, like a, mo- a monster? Is it just called Monster? I think so. Uh, so Eminem, it would Eminem appear at the Super Bowl two years in a row. Love the way you lie. Okay, yeah, that's that that one. Yes, Monster is I think a different actual Eminem song. It's not a Rihanna song, but uh, yeah, that one. All, all I know is that uh, if, if there's a prop bet for like which performer will appear on stage with Rihanna, I'm taking. Uh, while Ooh. I would like to bet on Eminem two years in a row, I'm going to take ASAP Rocky. I think he appears on stage. Hers, like the the baby daddy, her partner. Okay. I, th- I think he's there. He appear- he makes an appearance somewhere. See, I mean, we could have multiple Canadians because it could be Party Next Door. We sure. believe yeah. it as well. There are so many good Rihanna and Drake tracks, whether it's What's My Name or Too Good, that if you're leaving those out because the boy is not able to be with you on stage because it would be kind of awkward and i don't know if drake could keep it quiet that he is in <laughs> That's arizona for long yeah. enough yeah. so but you know the nfl famously got jay-z to reimagine their half times among other things so is it run this town is yeah. he was the person who found her in terms of her career there, there are many 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 options maybe maybe Take care with Drake. She's got a lot of great songs with Drake. She could do a performance just of Rihanna and (laughs) Drake. But maybe she's probably thinking Drake's going to do this game in the future. I won't invite him, but he'll definitely invite me. And so I don't need to do those now. I'll save them and I'll come with, you know, Rude Boy or something like that. Or or Wild Thoughts. Oh, okay. Then it's like maybe a little DJ Khaled break where we go into a bunch of songs. He has because it's not just about the main performer it's about who they bring and what they perform as well so imagine dj khaled taking over three and a half minutes of halftime dj khaled i'm pretty sure just had like a like a like an eight to ten minute set at the grammys i think so i i wouldn't be all that surprised to see him appear at the super bowl um i also honestly i wouldn't put it past rihanna considering she hasn't performed in a in a major venue i think since 2018 which is like a fair bit ago uh, I would not be all that surprised if she just didn't have any guests. Like she has, oh. she has so many solo bangers that she could put on a pretty good, if not amazing, halftime show with just songs that do not feature any other artists. And I'm sure people would eat it up. I would. Yeah, I mean, I I could see that as well, and maybe that will be the catalyst of her performing. Bitch, better have my money. <laughs> because here's the other fascinating thing that I don't think many people know about. The Pepsi Super Bowl halftime, or is it still Pepsi? Apple. It's Apple Music now. My apologies. Apologies to our sales team once again. The artist is not paid to perform Super Bowl halftime. It is thought that it's such a great brand lift that just off of streams alone of people shazamming what they hear and then downloading it to their phone, that you get enough that the NFL, who prints money, doesn't need to pay the halftime performer. And so if Rihanna is thinking, well, I'm going to make this a Rihanna infomercial, then maybe she takes the entire allotted time and does something herself. And I believe halftime is bumped up to, is it, I believe, 23 minutes I think so, now, yeah. It got increased. Which is you know, normally for, for normal games, it's about 15. 
So, yeah, we could go in many different directions. I uh, I did want to talk to you before we get to our guests and and do the the preview of each team. I I did want to get your take on legacy because we we've done a lot of Mahomes legacy. Like you know, I've had the conversation: Is Patrick Mahomes already a Hall of Famer? I think we both land on the side of yes. And you know, you look at the list of QBs that have won two Super Bowls just in the history of the NFL. It's not like the longest list. And and then when you get into the one ring QBs, there are a lot of one ring guys that are never getting into the Hall of Fame, like the, I don't know, like Trent Dilfers and Joe Flacco's of the world. Um, and then you can have the same similar conversations about like Matthew Stafford or what have you. But Patrick Mahomes with one ring, even if he retired like literally today before the Super Bowl is played, he's still getting into the Hall of Fame. And two would is a slam dunk that. But I, I do wonder where you fall on Andy Reid because Andy Reid for a long time, Donovan was known for being a guy who had time management issues, clock management issues, couldn't really win the big one. And now here he is. He is now one, or pardon me, he has now been to, as a coach, taken his team to 10 conference championship games, five as coach of the Eagles, five as coach of the Chiefs. He has won one Super Bowl. He has been to three, so he's lost two other ones, one as the coach of the Eagles and, of course, the Buccaneers loss with the Chiefs a couple of years ago. Does a second Super Bowl win for Andy Reid two wins and four tries at the big game. Does that put him on the Mount Rushmore of, co- of, of coaches for you? Like of the other guys up there, I guess like you can make an uh, argument for a lot of guys, but like Bill Belichick, Don Shula, Tom Landry, Vince Lombardi, like there are a lot of, th- that's maybe the top Mount Rushmore guys right now, perhaps I'm not leaving anyone out there, but I'm curious, like, does that order change for you? Uh, if Andy Reed is uh, victorious again in the Super Bowl, I think he's already there. And, and counting because he's 64 can do this for another five, six, seven years. I mean, Bill Belichick is 70 and he doesn't seem like he's leaving anytime soon. Andy Reid, no matter what happens, is certainly not getting fired anytime soon, but by the Kansas city chiefs, unless he does something untoward, he's not going to be fired based off of what happens on the field. He has his quarterback locked up for the foreseeable future, so he's going to have an opportunity to be in the playoffs and to go to more AFC Championship games and potentially more Super Bowls. The Denver Broncos just essentially punted the next half a decade of draft capital for Sean Payton. Sean Payton has won one Super Bowl and has been to one Super Bowl. Andy Reid has been with multiple high-level quarterbacks. Essentially, every quarterback he's had has played their best football. Alex Smith played at a high level. Obviously, we've seen Patrick Mahomes. Donovan McNabb had his best years with Andy Reid. Mike Vick had a renaissance with Andy Reid. When you go and look at the amount of wins he's been around as a coordinator and a QB coach, being a part of the West Coast offense tree, coming off of what Bill Walsh has done, I think he's already cemented, as our friend Capital would say. I think he's just stacking up what would continue to be a legacy. And here's the other reason. NFL stands for not for long. Modern-day coaches are not going to stick around by choice or by circumstance as long as Andy Reid. Sean McVay is already talking about the fact that he might be burnout, might be in an Amazon booth (laughs) in a couple years. That's true. So I, I don't think we see someone who 
has the influence in terms of their innovation with offense, the wins, and the longevity as Andy Reid. So, yeah, I think he's in that conversation, no doubt. So if you're bumping, because Mount Rushmore has uh, four heads on it. If you're bumping someone off of Mount Rushmore, uh, first of all, I don't know what your Mount Rushmore is. So it, it would, I guess it would depend on who's getting bumped. Like, I guess for me, the Mount Rushmore would be it. Like I, it pro Andy Reed probably does make it. So I guess the two modern head coaches on there would be him and Bill Belichick. And I, I find it difficult to not have Don Shula on there. So, like, it's kind of tough for the last spot to be a toss-up between Vince Lombardi and Tom Landry. And I say this having never watched Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry, or Don Shula do a lot in the NFL because of my age. But, like, one of those, two of those guys are on the Hall of, or on the Mount Rushmore, and one of them does not make it. So, if you want to say, like, Tom Landry is that guy, and, and Lombardi and Shula make it over him alongside Belichick and Reed, then I'm not going to quibble too much. I'm not sure if your Cowboys bias will let you to take Tom Landry off, though, Donovan. No, I mean, I I don't want to get stuck on the binary four just because of Mount Rushmore. Right, Mount right. Rushmore, in general, is, for many people, problematic as it's a reminder <laughs> to some also true. for broken treaties. So if I we just go maybe the binary of, of five because we do top fives or the top five greatest hip-hop artists or top five NBA players, I think you have to have Belichick, clearly. You have to have Vince Lombardi, clearly. The trophy's named after him. You have to have Don Shula, clearly. Not only did he win at a high level, but he had a team that was undefeated. And this is where I think there is some room for flex. I have Jimmy Johnson in there. Now, he he only won two, but when you look at his coaching tree, he's someone that has great influence. I don't know if I would have Landry. I think Reed is in the conversation, but I think the other name that we forget because one of his predecessors circumvented his own achievements is Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells was somewhat of a game changer in terms of his cap and roster management, and his tree includes Belichick and includes Sean Payton and includes Dan Campbell. So certainly Bill Parcells still has, has influence. But I think the other name, as I'm giving you much more than five, that was in that conversation has to be John Madden. Now, again, he wasn't in it for a long time, but how many people did he coach up via the Telestrator, the broadcast booth, and how did he influence the culture via his video game and the many products that he sold us? Certainly, being on all Madden was at times better than being all pro. Those were the guys. I've had to narrow it down to five. I'm going to go Lombardi, Belichick, Shula, Reed, and Madden. That's my five. I'm sticking to it. Although, if if Mike Tomlin gets another championship, then someone needs to create some space. The only coach, Donovan, I, I'm not going to say take exception to on your top five, but the only coach I will say... I don't agree with is Madden, not because I disagree that he was a bad coach. It's just, he like, wasn't a coach for very long. So I guess it's it, perhaps it's semantics. Perhaps it's like sheer. It's only semantics because you're right. I learned, I will freely admit a lot about football from playing basically every Madden every year that I've been alive, either at my friend, one of my friend's houses or, or in an arcade somewhere. And later on, as I got some disposable income, <laughs> in my, my own place, um, so yeah, there's, I, I learned a lot from John Madden, uh, as a, as a fan of football, but 
I do wonder if his like contributions to football largely come from, I know he won a Super Bowl and there's a famous picture of him being like carried off the field and so on. But you know, I, I would argue maybe his contributions largely come from the broadcast booth and not from like actually being a, an NFL head coach, because I actually know, I don't think his career was all that long. It, it wasn't in what overshadows his career was that he ends up being a greater color commentator than he was coach. He, for me, is the greatest color commentator in the history of sports. I agree. I would agree with that. And so a big part of the popularity of the sport present day has to do with his ability to storytell and entertain in games that often were not entertaining. He found a way to circle how much sweat is on an offensive lineman's butt or the turducken, the the turducken or drawing funny things with the telestrator or talking about fans in the stands and what they look like and what they might be thinking, who his favorite players were. So yeah, flowers and love to uh, John Madden because he loved him some football and also like another person in my top five, he loved him some food. That would be the case for Andy Reid. But, man, if you went from the Philly cheesesteak to Missouri barbecue, I would love myself some food as well. Will the Chiefs be eaten on Sunday? Well, there's no better person to break that down for us than friend of the show, Joshua Briscoe, co-host of The Zone, host of Chiefs Post Game on Sports Radio 810, co-host of the Times Hours Chiefs podcast on The Athletic. What do they got to do to win this game? And for me, it's somewhat binary. Keep Mahomes upright and keep him on the field and not watching the Eagles offense. Can they do it? We go deep with Josh Briscoe on Going Deep next. So, Joshua, certainly everyone is excited for the Super Bowl in Phoenix, so much so that Kevin Durant just went and got himself traded to Scottsdale to be able to see the game. What do you expect the buzz to be like on the ground as we get closer to the game? Well, yeah, uh, Kevin Durant notwithstanding, which really works out well for me. I'm a Suns fan in the middle of uh, Kansas City. That's a long story, but a good one today. Um, it, it's been fun. I, I'm, so I'm back here in Kansas City right now, and I've been working with our crew out in uh, the greater Glendale, Scottsdale, Phoenix area. And it, it's been wild. I mean, from the very first uh, kickoff of media night on Monday – all the way through, uh, I assume, opening kick. It's, it's been crazy so far. The energy's been wild from what I've heard. And uh, they, they filled up the Sun Stadium pretty good for that opening media night on Monday. Uh, so yeah, I, I think people are pretty well ready for the game. The question is, is Patrick Mahomes ready for the game, given his high ankle sprain? It's a bit of deja vu for his situation a couple years ago going into the Super Bowl. Back then, he was behind a banged-up offensive line, with a toe injury, playing against the best defense in the league. This year, he is dealing with a banged-up receiving group with an ankle injury, playing against the best defense in the league. Is he better prepared now than he was two years ago to excel in the big game? Well, in the ASC championship game against the Bengals, I don't have all the yardage stats off the top of my head, but separating it into three categories here of on – uh, passes that were uh, on extra long dropbacks, just in terms of time taken, passes on the run, and uh, passes outside the pocket. 
He was six for six in each of those three categories against the Bengals. So 18 of 18 altogether. He was really good when he did have to move against Cincinnati. You also, though, absolutely saw some times where Cincinnati could quite drive the ball the way he wanted to off his back leg. I think that the ankle at this point is less of an issue, though, than the other things you mentioned there, with like the health of the wide receiving core. Um, what, what pass catchers are going to be healthy and how healthy are they going to be? We know they won't have McCole Hardman. Um, Canarius uh, Tony was limited in practice yesterday. Juju Smith-Schuster was full, though, in participation in practice yesterday, which is a great sign. But, yeah, figuring out kind of how that group's going to come together is a big deal. The one thing, though, also is that the team's number one wide receiver isn't a wide receiver. It's the tight end because it's Travis Kelsey. So I, I certainly feel better entering this game than I think they did ahead of that Buccaneer Super Bowl. So as we've talked about before, McCole Hardman is the only receiver that was in his receiving room a year ago. He won't be suiting up this weekend. And when you look at who else won't be there, that's Tyreek Hill. They traded him for salary cap space and draft pick capital, which they've used to fill out the roster. The opposite of what the Philadelphia Eagles did going and getting A.J. Brown is this game a referendum on whether or not you need a dominant number one receiver to win? Yeah, I don't think it could be a referendum because of the thing you just mentioned there. We've seen teams do it different ways, and we see two teams doing it different ways in the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, you know, you see the Packers trade away Devontae Adams, and they flounder, and the Raiders get Devontae Adams, and they can't make anything happen this season. So I really do think it's going to end up being a situational deal. If it's a referendum on anything, though, it might be just for Patrick Mahomes. Like, if you have a quarterback who isn't literally, like, on track to be the greatest of all time, the most talented quarterback we've ever seen any of those things, I still would absolutely want to have a real number one wide receiver for that guy. And, again, Mahomes still has Kelsey, and their connection is really, really special. But I, I do think for the Chiefs in their next five or six years, there ends up being a point – where let's say Kadarius Tony stays healthy the next couple seasons and he's a superstar looking for huge money. Well, you would now have a little bit of precedent, but again, by that point, Travis Kelsey's a few years older and maybe the, the logic changes some there. I think the Chiefs know correctly that they can give Patrick Mahomes a group of, of good receivers and he'll make them great. But I also do think that there is a real strong argument still for having a number one that you can go to perpetually in your offense and even without Tyreek Hill, this offense still having Travis Kelsey. I think it's about Kelsey. I think it's about Mahomes being the outlier as opposed to this necessarily being the, the sort of new formula for teams to take on. It's funny because no matter the outcome, there is going to be talking points and they become so binary in sports. If the Chiefs win, then Mahomes and Andy Reid are the new Brady and Belichick will start to count on on if he can get to seven championships with one of the youngest rosters right now in football. But if they lose, then all of a sudden Andy Reid still can't win the big game unless he's playing Jimmy Garoppolo. And Mahomes is more like Rodgers than he is Brady, where talented team, big stats, but only one Super Bowl title. Is that where you expect the conversation to go, depending on where the scoreline goes? Yeah, I mean, I think you just sort of gave me like a ghost of Christmas future kind of thing there, right? Of like, here's what it's going to look like if it goes wrong. Uh, because it shouldn't be that way. It, it, like, we've seen the Chiefs lose games this year to, due to special teams issues. Well, if the Chiefs lose this game to a muffed punt or because of a muffed punt, that doesn't have anything to do with Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid or Tom Brady or Jalen Hurts or Nick Sirianni or any, you know, it, you, it ends up being a, a, a case where, 
individual moments kind of get lost in the shuffle if there's a bigger narrative that you can get to, right? And I do think that that's going to be something that we deal with one way or the other, for better or for worse, from kind of the national perspective or, or international perspective in our case, um, looking at it from the 30,000-foot view and going, all right, yeah, either Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers and can he ever win a second, or he's Tom Brady and he's going to win seven, which is obviously a huge overreaction either way. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I do think this week is a good one because it gives you a chance to look at both of these teams and see how they were built and see their successes and to adjust for that. Like, we've been doing this to LeBron for years now where he gets to the finals, loses, and it's held against him more than just missing the playoffs or getting bounced in the first round would have been. Um, that's kind of the LeBron Jordan thing we've gotten sucked into, I, I think, in that conversation. I don't, I don't want that to have to happen with Mahomes one way or the other. He's the MVP of the league this season. He's the greatest quarterback currently living. And uh, we're going to flip a coin more or less on Sunday, and one of these teams is going to have a really good season that ends in a horrible loss. Maybe that's why LeBron in L.A. has decided I'm either going to win a championship or miss the playoffs entirely and save my energy. I personally hope the Chiefs do win. And then we have the 2022-23 Colts team years from now saying, hey, guess what? We actually beat that team. <laughs> but take me through the scenarios for them to win. The Kansas City Chiefs win if? If the defensive growth we've seen these last five games is legitimate, and I think it is, but that that's sort of the underrated storyline to me. It's not about any of these quarterbacks. It's the rookie corners that the Chiefs have. Uh, they ended up playing all three of them pretty much all game against the Bengals, and Jerry Sneed got hurt. He'll be back, though, which is obviously good. I mean, you have Chris Jones in the middle, who's just an absolute menace. So I think if you see that that group specifically of these young corners who have been put on an island against really good pass catchers like Jamar Chase, like T. Higgins, um, that they did in the ace championship game and definitely held their own there. Plus, you have them swarming to the football, tackling really well, things that just simply weren't happening for this defense earlier this season or the last couple years more often than not really um i i'm a believer in what the chiefs defense has been and i think that if i could kind of guarantee one performance it would probably be that uh but if you ask me the inverse question i do have an inverse answer as well i think well let's ask the question then in your estimation who does win the big game i think the chiefs do i and i feel better about it than i think most should uh, or, or most do maybe more than i should because it, look if you're going to say what cost the Chiefs this game? I am a little bit worried about them protecting Patrick Mahomes uh, fully enough for this Eagles pass rush because it's exceptional. But the Eagles, the Chiefs' offensive line is okay. Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley aren't Mike Rimmers and Andrew Wiley who were starting in that game against the, the Buccaneers. This is a much better situation. The line in the middle is much more stout as well. Uh, it's excellent in the middle and the interior there, uh, really. So I think Mahomes has been good enough at sort of lessening the pressure on himself and getting rid of the football, but that won't be the way the Eagles win. And so ultimately I like the Chiefs in kind of a maybe slightly lower scoring than some might guess, but kind of a 27-24 field goal type of game. Well, I can't wait to watch the game. I can't wait to listen to your podcast, no matter the outcome afterward, the Times Hours podcast. But until then, enjoy some Mississippi barbecue. Enjoy the game and enjoy your potentially NBA champion Phoenix Suns. I'm going to go three for three, man. I appreciate it. So give Josh a follow if you are also a Suns fan or you just want great intel about the Kansas City Chiefs. At JB Briscoe is his handle on Twitter. We now have a handle on what the Chiefs need to do to win. 
But let's not forget, they're underdogs. A foreign position for them because Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the sport. But who is the best team? Is that the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, we talked to Bo Wolf, who also covers the sport for The Athletic, but he is on the Eagles beat for The Athletic Philly. And he's going to talk about the vibe in Philly right now and the fact that the whole city is screaming, fly, Eagles fly. Bo Wolf, I'm going deep right now. So, Bo, when I look at this Super Bowl matchup and I look at the two deep of each team, at almost every position, it's advantage Eagles. But yet, the odds are still pretty close. What's your perspective, having seen this team throughout the year, how they match up on Sunday? Yeah, it's interesting. We, we sort of talked about this on, on media night. Um, you know, you look at the people who are on the risers for the Eagles, and then you looked at it on the Chiefs, and it was like, oh, Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco get a riser? Uh, like, those guys wouldn't even be in consideration on the Eagles. It's, the game is sort of like a, a thought experiment about would you rather have, you know, the best roster in football or the best quarterback in football? And uh, it's going to be interesting to, to sort of see how it plays out on Sunday. But I think, you know, if you were like, if you were combining these two rosters and trying to figure out uh, one starting 22, you know, you would have Mahomes, you would have Travis Kelsey, you would have Chris Jones probably, um, you would probably have Nick Bolton, um, you might have uh, one of the Chiefs guards instead of the Eagles guards, and that's sort of about it, maybe one of the Chiefs safeties. So uh, the Eagles team, I think, is going into this matchup with their, their chest sort of puffed out. They think that they are the better team. Um, I think they're going to sort of hope to play the game on their terms and, and hope the Chiefs sort of come to them. But uh, if I'm an Eagles fan, if I'm an Eagles coach, I am just terrified of the possibility of, you know, Patrick Mahomes having the ball with a chance to win at the end of the game. Uh, it would be hard to bet against them. And that's a bit of an identity shift for the Eagles, really, the fan base in the city. So often, Philadelphia is seen as the underdogs that are scrappy. I mean, it's been the subject of movies and documentaries. But now, all of a sudden, all you guys do is compete for championships in multiple sports. Your MLS team is outstanding all of a sudden. Still got to work on the Sixers getting to that level. But is the sure. vibe in the city a bit different in terms of the relationship with this team this year? I think it is. Uh, and I think part of it is because they did win in 2017. So there is not the weight of trying to win the franchise's first Super Bowl. But I think what is part of it um, is twofold. One is that this team has just been so dominant over the course of the season. I mean, 16-1 and one, uh, with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback over the course of the year, including the playoffs. They've only lost one game, and that was sort of a, a bit of a fluky game in which they turned the ball over four times. Um, they have just lined up and beaten anybody who's been across from them. And then the other thing is, like, the, the players on this team do not carry that, that sort of, um, like, oh, no, like, waiting for the, the shoe to drop weight. Um, you know, most of them were not here in 2017. The guys that, that were are, you know, stalwarts like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. And then the, the other guys, like the young, uh, like key players on this team are guys like, you know, Devontae Smith, who I wrote about today on The Athletic, you know, has played in games like this his whole life. He played in three national championship games in college. Jalen Hurts played in games like this himself. Um, so these guys are not, you know, afraid of the moment. Um, they're not shy about the big stage. Uh, but I, I still, like, all of that said, like, I think if they win this game, 
we might be talking about this Eagles team as, as one of the best teams of all time. Um, but I also think that there's a, a flip of a coin chance that they don't win the game because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, and uh, that is the most important thing in this sport. Someone who is somewhat of an underdog in this spot is Jalen Hurts. He's in the MVP conversation, but people quickly forget he was someone that was at the bottom of almost every passing statistic that we care about and someone coming into the NFL that people thought might have to change positions to make the NFL. Josh Allen gets a lot of credit for his rapid improvement. I don't know if I've ever seen a player, high-level sport, improve more rapidly than Jalen Hurts. What's behind the way he's changed himself uh, as a passer and a player? Yeah, he has sort of like made me change the way that I think about, uh, you know, player development and quarterback development. Um, you know, I would have sort of always maybe thought that, you know, like intangibles are not like the most important thing for guys. And like seeing the way that his last two years have played out, um, it, has, it has made me change my mind on that. He is sort of like pathologically wired uh, to like try try to do everything he can every day um, to to get better and uh, some of that is like you hear him talk about these like these, these Sabinisms like you know keep the main thing the main thing you know rent is due every day all these things and you sort of think it's just sort of cliche nothingness but he really does sort of approach his life that way and it's hard to you know divorce the fact that the Eagles brought in AJ Brown you know he gets to play behind this really good offensive line. Um, he has weapons to to help him succeed, but he has also gotten better himself in in so many myriad ways, to the point where like I I, I don't know what his feeling is. I think you know, if he goes out and wins this game uh, on Sunday, we're going to be talking about him as you know a top five quarterback, and he's going to probably sign a a massive contract extension this offseason. You talked about this team if they win being considered one of the greatest teams of all time, regardless of outcome. This defense will be considered one of the greatest defenses of all time, especially because of their depth. What do you think this defense's approach is coming after Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Do they bring pressure? Do they believe that they can get home with four? How do you think they're going to set up? Yeah, I think it's all about trying to get home with four. Um, You know, Patrick Mahomes is so good against the Blitz. He's also so good against not the Blitz. But... (laughs) Uh, I, I think that they think that, um, you know, with Hassan Reddick going up against Andrew Wiley for the most part, Josh Sweat going up against Orlando Brown, I think those are two matchups they think are in their favor. Uh, even Brandon Graham rotating in there on the outside, too. I think th- they think those tackles are vulnerable. Um, and that's sort of their key to stopping the Chiefs. And, and stopping is like they're not going to stop them all game, but that's their key to, to forcing a couple turnovers perhaps and getting the few stops they may need uh, to win this game. I have a somewhat antithetical belief that Jason Kelsey is the most important Kelsey in this game with how athletic he is and what he does in the RPO game. But is it even crazy to think that Jason Kelsey is the best Kelsey in this game? Oh, I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, I I mean, I think you're talking about like two guys who are arguably the best at their position of all time. Um, you know, I think Travis Kelsey, I, w- I would probably make an argument for, for Rob Gronkowski over him. But in terms of just as a receiver, he's, he's probably the best of all time. And I think Jason Kelsey, for what he can do for the Eagles offense, um, he's so unique for that position that, that he's in the conversation, too. Um, I, I think it's, it's interesting on, on both sides where, like, from an Eagles defensive perspective, do you approach 
Travis Kelsey, like, you know, certain teams would have approached, like, Kobe Bryant, like, you sort of let him get his, and you try to stop everybody else? Uh, or do you try to, you know, stop him and then open things up for Patrick Mahomes to find, you know, like Marquis Valdez Gantling for a, you know, 60-yard touchdown or something like that? And then on the other side of the ball, I'm just curious to see what the Eagles' approach is in terms of how, how uh, tilted they're going to be in the running game uh, behind Jason Kelsey. My expectation is they're going to try to approach this game the same way that they've approached most games this season, which is to say passing to try to get ahead in the first half and then really leaning on the running game for the second half and hoping to result the game away. So much has been made this week, so many storylines, and one of them with coaches with, with Reed's history in Philly, but Sirianni obviously being on the staff formerly in Kansas City and how gracious Andy Reed was, giving him you know, essentially an exit interview. I, I've been around highly competitive people before, and I've seen Nick Sirianni on the sideline approach the game like he's playing in it, talking smack and going for it like he's playing Madden. I have to believe that no matter what flowery things he says or other people say, he is super motivated to prove a point in this game. Am I just projecting my own pettiness onto him, or is there something to that? No, I think that's the way he's wired. Um, and I think it's why, like, it doesn't seem from the outside necessarily that, you know, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts um, have that much in common, given their personalities. But they really do um, in terms of both of them are, are so competitive. And I think they are both motivated. They, they sort of try to keep receipts a little bit. Um, and I think, I think that's sort of the key to Nick Sirianni's, like, winning over this locker room is that he really is authentic. He is, he is who he is. And so when you see him barking on the sidelines, uh, or, you know, chewing out an official, that's because that's, like, that's how he would have been back home playing pickup basketball with his brothers um, in Western New York. So um, I think you're right. I think, you know, he may not say that publicly, but I, I have no doubt that he knows that he's, you know, sort of viewed as the lesser coach in this game. Um, and, and I think that he wants to prove that he's not. So these matchups sometimes are more binary than we think. If the Eagles are to win, what has to happen? Um, I think if the Eagles have to win, they need to, uh, I, I hate to say not turn the ball over, but I think that is a key for them. Uh, and then I think they have to force a turnover on Patrick Mahomes. And that's it's so silly to say, like, it'll come down to the turnover. Uh, battle, but in a game like this, you know, you can do all the, um, you know, analyzing you want, and then it'll probably come down to like a ticky tack penalty or the bounce of a football, and uh, that's not like a comfortable thing, but that's the truth, and that's often how these uh, these legacies are are written, right? But um, I think if they can, uh, I think if they can stop Patrick Mahomes from making big plays down the field, and that's sort of the way that this defense is designed. Uh, I don't see a path for the, the Chiefs' defense really consistently stopping the Eagles' offense unless Chris Jones just dominates, and, and I think the Eagles are well-suited to handle him. And so, like, if it, it sort of comes down to when Patrick Mahomes throws that one or two balls that uh, are are interceptable, or if he fumbles the ball and they have a chance to fall on it, like, that that really could just be what decides the Super Bowl. Well, it's the reason why they've won a lot, as you well know, Jalen Hurts has only turned the ball over on 1.1% of passes, sacks, design runs. It's the lowest, clearly, uh, in the league. So they're in a good spot in terms of taking care of the ball. Having said all that, who do you think is going to win? 
Mm, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to sleep on it one more night before making my official prediction. I think right now I'm leaning towards predicting the, the Chiefs to win just because I'm, I'm terrified of, of Mahomes. Um, the way that I, I think about it right now, like if I was spreading out percentage points, it would be like 40% uh, Chiefs win close, 30% Eagles win handily, like, you know, 21% Chiefs or Eagles win close, and then 9% Chiefs win handily. That's like the, the one scenario I don't see is the Chiefs just blowing them out. But in a, in a close game, I just I find it hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Fair enough. Well, we will be tuning in certainly to the broadcast, but also to your coverage coming out of it. Thank you so much for taking the time and enjoy the game no matter the outcome. Thanks, Donovan. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Bo at Bo underscore Wolf. W-U-L-F is the last name. Give him a follow immediately. Good dude. Good analysis. That is true for our next guest who will break down some of the betting angles. Now that you've heard the insight about the Chiefs and Eagles and Mahomes and Hurts, who does Cabral Richards, the quarterback of the SN Bets crew, like in the big game? And why? That's after the break. My name is Lucille Bryan. I'm Clifton Bryan. My grandson is a show. And I'm so happy that you are listening to Go and Deep with Donovan Bennett. I'm so glad that he had the show. Thank you. So as we get close to the Super Bowl, just a couple days away at this point, uh, stumbled across this, which is somewhat crazy in terms of how close this matchup is. The Chiefs, 16-3 and overall record. The Eagles, 16-3 and overall record. Chiefs, 546 points scored. The Eagles, 546 points scored. Oh, wow. The Chiefs, six all pros, including a Kelsey brother. The Eagles, six all pros, including a Kelsey brother. Chiefs, the number one seed in the AFC. Eagles, number one seed in the NFC. And both have a black quarterback. Uh, starting and, and, and even there's links between the two coaches. This is the narrative that I think has not been talked about as we get close to the game, but I wonder if it intrigues you as much as it intrigues me because I love all things petty. <laughs> is that Nick Sirianni, as many people know, obviously head coach of the Eagles, has a tie to Kansas City in the same way somewhat as Andy Reid does to Philly. Andy Reid was the head coach of the Eagles for over a decade, thought that he couldn't win the big game, move on from him. They have since now been to two different Super Bowls with two different head coaches. Andy Reid has got his Super Bowl, but you know, people are like, oh, this is the Andy Reid of revenge game. Well, Nick Sirianni got his start as a receivers coach under the Todd Haley, Romeo Cornell, Kansas City Chiefs. The coach who came in shortly after being fired by the Eagles and cleaned house including getting rid of Nick Sirianni is Andy Reid. Andy Reid fired the guy that he's coaching against in this game. And Sirianni has said some things about, you know what, he did me the favor of sitting me down with, for an interview and learning about me and telling me the position's filled, but, you know, I want to get to know you. Like He's saying the right things. He fired you, bro. <laughs> you can't tell me, Sirianni, who it gets fired up on the sidelines. Yeah, he is, he is a fiery guy, an animated guy. I love that in my coach. But, yeah, keep, continue. You can't tell me he's not getting up, being like, okay, you, you you fired me, and now I'm about 
to grips this Lombardi for Oh, me. yeah. They're, they're definitely giving some Back ga- then, they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all on me. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles walking in. Sorry, Meek Mill. This week, we're walking into Mike Jones. <laughs> there have been, I'm sure, some gadget plays worked on this week. And we always see, I mean, we saw the, one of the best ones was, was uh, I was going to say BDE, but. Uh, um, Excuse me? Big, you know, big Nick energy. Uh, catching a super, uh, catching a touchdown in the in the Super War, they beat the um, New England Patriots. And now I know that wasn't Sirianni; that was Doug Peterson, was a was a head coach. But um, well, I don't know what we're gonna see. But we, I, I anticipate seeing uh, some gadget plays, some some like backyard type of football plays, a double reverse or a flea flicker or something. Because um, revenge is a great motivator, and for Nick Sirianni, I'm sure that is the battery that's in his back, and we'll see on Sunday how that plays out. Who do you anticipate winning? I know the SN bets crew is going to have a, you know, a watch party. Yeah, that's right. But, but where will your heart and your cash be? I'm financially invested in the Kansas city chiefs. Okay. Yes. Why? Like, because you think they're going to win or because you... well, they're the underdogs and I like betting on underdogs because usually plus money, but I'm betting on the better quarterback. Okay. And Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback. Even though Jalen Hurts has had a phenomenal year and is an MVP contender, I want to see greatness. And I want to see Patrick Mahomes throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and maybe have a couple of a couple of like uh sidearm throws or like he re- changes the ball from his right hand to his left hand and just, you know, pitches it to Travis Kelsey on a on a on a um a slant, you know, and and Travis on his on his podcast said he he dreams about uh, taking an eighty yard hitch pass to the house. Kelsey like, does, yeah, Travis Kelsey. But I don't think he has the well, I mean, he might have the speed. Actually, he's a pretty fast guy. But that's what he dreams about. So maybe we'll see some hitch pass and maybe he breaks one off, takes it to the crib, and then just loses his voice in celebration in the end zone. And that would be cool. But yeah, I, I'm I'm invested in the Kansas City Chiefs. I think our crew is split though between. Chiefs and Eagles fans. So we'll see on on Sunday, and we're watching the party with the FaZe Clan, and I'm sure there are several financial interests among amongst that crew too. And the the whole room might be split, which will be great, which will make for a fun watch party. Just gonna wait until the end to ask you about the content, but since we're there, promo. Uh, what's the plan for the weekend, and where people uh, can get the content and consume it? We're just you can just go on Instagram or Twitter, just at SNBets or TikTok, and we're just going to be feeding, publishing videos there. And we're, we're going to be betting on Rihanna's first song, Please Don't Stop the Music, or Shut Up and Drive, or Umbrella, or Oh Nana, What's My Name? There are several books offering the, this prop. Like what's uh, Obviously, the, some of the novelty ones are the coin flip, the length of the, of the national anthem. Gatorade color. The color of the Gatorade. And then, and what's Rihanna's first song? I haven't put any money down on that yet, but I we will get we will make that bet as soon as we get in the room on on Sunday around five thirty. Like, all right, which which way are we leaning? And then we'll see. It'll it'll be a great show. So there's also interest in who Rihanna brings out. Yeah, because like, there's generally a surprise. Eminem would be cool. She had a big record with Eminem. Well, I mean, there's another artist that is a hip hop artist who she has multiple big records with. Yeah, with Drizzy, yeah, and you know, but what does Drizzy? That's an interesting one, because like, that is an interesting one because 
Because he'd won his own Super Bowl halftime? Of course. And he's earned it. He's a global superstar. But then also, like, those eight, does ASAP, like, is there a cosign there? Like, do you have to have a conversation? Because they were former publicly very for, uh, public lovers and they had multiple relationships. So is that, like, weird? And, like, and then it's, <laughs> it's like, when were those songs written? Like, written in a time where they were together. And, like, does ASAP feel a certain type of way? I, you know, that... I guess we'll see what happens, but either one of those artists would be a, a huge, um, a huge surprise for the and like Pharrell, like um, Lemon. I think is a bit is such a banger. Like I, li- I get it how we get it. I live or whatever. Shit. I mean, the, the verse is fire. <laughs> I'm butchering the verse. I'm I'm excited for the halftime show, and um, that's that's normally not my position. I'm more excited for the game generally, and I am for in this case too. Well, and I can't remember what award show it was where Drake was presenting rihanna some sort of lifetime achievement award and then he kind of just went off script oh he did do you don't remember this no was it like mtv vanguard award or something or, or american music award something something this woman has surpassed all competition while still being the same girl from barbados surrounded by the same friends speaking with the same accent and and never missing a crop over unless it's to come perform at OVO Fest, which we appreciate. We love the music which can change styles from album to album. We love the videos which change their artistic vision from year to year. But most of all, we love the woman who hasn't changed since day one. Yeah, and he goes off script and is just essentially like getting his Valentine's Day on and saying sweet nothings to her. And she looked just peak, cringy, uncomfortable. I wonder if part of the calculus is like, I, I don't trust that this man might not take it over and do something no. wild to get on <laughs> one bended <laughs> knee or something like that. <laughs> but then, no, no, Drake would never. He would never do that. Not, no, no, never, never. Well, here, I'll give you another potential one that if they were the surprise, would break the internet. Christopher Brown. Oh. Because they also yeah. have music together. Again, but that's the conversation with ASAP. Who is her current dude? Who is the father of her child? Like, that's... And I'm sure ASAP is cool. Like, these guys all know each other, and they're probably friendly when they see each other at restaurants or parties or whatever, but that is... That's that's a consideration in a, in a boardroom. I mean, as you said, it, <laughs> that's like you got like the brain trust is in a room. We got to talk this out because we are all adults and consenting adults, but like sometimes, like, past relationships still have carry some weight and like is there going to be resentment? Is everybody actually cool about this thing? It could be amazing for the show. And, you know, and this is like, it will be seen by the entire United States and, and Canada and a few places around the world. Um, but, uh, and, and then her catalog will, will blow up on Spotify and Apple music and wherever, wherever you stream this podcast and, and others, other music platforms. But I, I think that has to be a room, uh, the decision made in a room. And I would love to have, been there just to put a go like have access to the gopro in the room to like hear <laughs> watch and then hear what people are saying about the decision on the playlist and who to invite for the halftime the super bowl show the halftime show i love the prop bets I love betting on how long the anthem is going to be you know what the first score is going to be what the first penalty is going to be uh, simon bennett has a great uh, prop bet pool every year which i never win but always love to enjoy but I- i'll throw something out there and i'm clearly applying too much logic to this when 
you go Gatorade color. Yeah. Because I like, I like, like optimal scenarios. I go clear. And here's why. Oh. Here's why. Wait, is there clear Gatorade? Isn't that just water? No, no, no. There's like, there's like a a, a lemon flavor that is somewhat clear. Lemon, but lemon is yellow. It, you're thinking like the vanilla one that's kind of white. The th- sure. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. But, well, but this is this is why I go clear because on any sidelines there are two buckets. Fifty percent of the water, the, the the rehydration stations are Gatorade. Or, you know, depending on what league, BioSteel. Sure. Not trying to, <laughs> not trying to steal money from anyone. <laughs> Shout out to the NBA. Or Gatorade. Wait, BioSteel is the NHL. NBA is, oh wait, is NBA also BioSteel? It's NHL for sure. I thought, I thought BioSteel was now in the NBA as well. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, it's fine. Shout out to uh, Canadian companies. So it's a, a hydration situation. Or the other 50% is w- water. So... Someone's just going to grab a bucket and dump something, and there is going to be water there, which is clear. Oh, so you've got so you've got a chance that it could be water, and then if you clear, you win. And then if it is, you know, whatever, purple. Well, but that's got to be you on, lose. on the equipment guy to be like, no, fellas, like when it's always like some lineman that grabbed the thing, and then you know the, the 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 clock is ticking down. There's less than a minute left, but and the team's up by two touchdowns, and it's usually yeah. So, so the the equipment guys got to be no, no, fellas, this one, this no, one, no, this is the one you got to no, take. No, fellas, make sure he's sticky afterwards. Like, why does the equipment guy care? He doesn't care. Well, the equipment guy, I don't know the the equipment the guy. The equipment guy at that point is like grabbing like but it's balls all, and souvenirs no, and making no, sure no, guys sure. have them. Remember this? It's part of it's part of the celebration of the moment. Like at the, it's an iconic moment. The Gatorade shower. I think was it wasn't it your but the, guy? The amount of electrolytes that are wasted is not part of the no, moment. No, it's just being dunked. Yeah, but by that point, most of it's already been consumed. It's the end of the game, bro. What do we do? They're not like saving it. Like, all right, let's put this back in the fridge, guys. Like, they're not pouring out the Gatorade thing back into individual bottles and saving it. Like, this is the NFL. Like, who cares? I'm just saying, go go clear because you know you got a chance. You got a chance. That's because there are clear beverages. And listen, if they choose whatever the Gatorade flavor is Arctic white, whatever I made that up. Yeah, it might be Arctic white. So both our sales department and Gatorade are mad at me right now because I am <laughs> messing things up. Either way, whatever that flavor is, if if it is that flavor, then you you're batting a thousand. No matter what is grabbed, you're winning. So I, I'm I'm just. I also think that I might- clearly overthought this. You were, you did do some. Yeah, this is going deep, so you went deep in this one, which I appreciate. There is okay. The Super Bowl is sponsored by Pepsi, and mm-hmm. Pepsi is oh is the parent company of Gatorade. So there's probably someone, I don't know, some 28 year old person on the marketing team that will be field level with a field level pass to ensure that the Gatorade, like, is dumped on Sirianni or Andy Reid. But even the water is in a bucket that's orange uh, sure. that says Gatorade. Yeah, yeah, but so they, I don't think they care about that. the The real thing for me is like. How are you not, like, as a second cousin of the Chiefs, uh, you know, equipment guy being like, bruh, what are they drinking? I oh, need- to get, like, the information out? Yes. Like, but, Okay, but here's the thing. Are those prop bets, they usually cap the number. Like, you can't bet a hundred grand on the Gatorade color. They they cap them at like five hundred bucks. So so that these there isn't that much exposure for the sports books. I, I know ten people who would drop five hundred. Okay, fine, but 
for 500 a pop. I mean, it's, what do you get? And I don't know what the odds are. Maybe it's 110 or maybe it's, actually for that, because there's various colors, it'd be like, obviously orange, there'd be red, blue, clear or white. Purple. Purple, lemon. That, yeah, so there's a, so there, <laughs> that lean. Um, so there'll be probably plus money, but they, they, the sports books do cap, cap uh, novelty bets. Either novelty way. Bets. Uh, enjoy the games. Thank enjoy you, whatever beverages you're consuming. Will you publicly anou- like, announce anou- my favorite flavor? No. Which team you're riding for this weekend? Oh, yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. you are? Yeah. Oh, okay. They, I'm riding with uh, him, Holmes. Himothy, Himothy Holmes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. Nice. He, he, he's uh, different. So, yeah, I am. Listen, I have multiple pools that I'm in that if the Chiefs win, your boy could run into some. Buy another Tesla? <laughs> no, no. Do people no, know that not, you drive a Tesla? No, I mean, they do now. But okay. no, uh, I love the environment. Uh, <laughs> I also love uh, the environment you bring whenever you join this show. Thank you. Thank bro. you. Enjoy the games. Uh, make sure to consume all that content. SN Bets, gang, gang, gang. Um, follow, listen, share, subscribe. This podcast in the show notes will be everything that this man, Cabral Richards, has done. Uh, Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you on Monday. And on Monday, we'll be breaking down the Super Bowl commercials. So hit us up. Let us know which ones you like.